0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Balls Over the Top podcast. We are your hosts, Michael Rock and Brendan Collins. We've got a lot of exciting things for you this week, so we're going to jump right on into things. We had the final match of Champions League and the Europa League this past week, and there were some nail-biters.
1: Absolutely. came really close, especially in that group of death.
0: I shouldn't say the final match exactly. I should have said the final match of the group stages. Yes, but match day six. But I digress. The groups are now set. And I got to say, it was a. There were some nail biters in there for sure. Um, what was your favorite part of. You know, what was your most intriguing matchup there?
1: I think we saw a very interesting last push by Juve to really cement their first place spot. What about you?
0: I was really intrigued by the fact that Inter Milan ended up finishing last in their group, which puts them out of European competition altogether. I mean, the fact that they could not rally to get themselves a result against that Shakhtar side, which I do know Shakhtar gave a lot of people fits. I mean, they beat Real Madrid. They they were a tough opponent, no doubt about that. But, you know, Antonio Conte has that Inter Milan side playing well. They're making a push right now along with the other Milan side, AC Milan, to maybe t- knock you Venus off in the domestic league, I think it's a shock to most people that they are bowing out of Europe this early on. And that all stems from that do-or-die game against Shakhtar that finished on the nil-nil draw. So the final standings here, Group A, we see Bayern coming out with Atletico in second. Group B, we see Real Madrid coming out on top with Borussia Mönchengladbach coming in, out second. We have Manchester City coming out of first of Group C and Porto second. Liverpool tops Group D and Atalanta second. Chelsea tops Group E with Sevilla in second. Dortmund tops Group F with Lazio in second. Juvenus in G with Barcelona in second. And PSG tops Group H with Leipzig in second. Manchester United being relegated down to the Europa League.
1: Yes, so that means... We have the round of 16. The draw was earlier today, so we hit, get to report on it. On February 16th and March 10th, we have Red Bulls-Leipzig taking on Liverpool. An interesting matchup. Many former Red Bulls players now playing for Liverpool.
0: Yeah, that was definitely going to... A little
1: yeah, bit, a gonna... little bit, uh, little bit uh, sensei, sensei versus the student. Exactly.
0: This is definitely going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. The next one on the list, is equally as interesting, Battle of the Giants here, as we are going to see Lionel Messi and Barcelona taking on Paris Saint-Germain with the superstar, you know, likes of Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. Just a juggernaut there in Paris. Yeah,
1: Yeah, once again, old friends facing off against each other and, and Messi and Neymar. Next one on the docket, an interesting matchup. Porto faces off against Juventus.
0: Yeah, the Portuguese powerhouse in Porto against the Portugal's prodigal son, Cristiano Ronaldo. And so it's definitely a interesting matchup there. I imagine there might be you know, might be a country divided there with just how much Portugal roots for Cristiano and pretty much everything he does. They're gonna want to see him get through in the Champions League side, but not necessarily at the expense of their you know pride there in porto well
1: we know how the benfica fans are going to feel about it
0: oh yes next we have one that i'm sure you're going to be pretty excited about this honestly stresses I... me out oh it stresses you out are you serious i think you guys made out like bandits getting one of the teams i would love to get in this draw maybe that's just because we beat them four nil a couple weeks ago but dortmund facing off against sevilla the Spanish side, usually a staple in European football, won the Europa League last year. But I don't know this season. It doesn't. It just seems like they don't necessarily have it. I don't know. Maybe they'll prove a lot of people wrong, and maybe this matchup will be an exciting one. But by that point, looking to have Erling Holland back, I imagine Dortmund should be squeaking through.
1: I'm hope. I'm hopeful. Uh, the next matchup we got is Lazio facing off against the one of the most dominant in the group. Uh, performers, Bayern Munich. This will be a tough matchup for Lazio. They've hit their struggles of late, and Bayern just doesn't really skip a beat.
0: No, it just seems like no matter who the opponent is, Bayern Munich just steamrolls forward, and Lazio, I think, is going to have their hands full with this Bayern lineup, but it's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on. Here's one that I definitely am stressing over atletico madrid facing off against chelsea another the you know one of the other four or one of the four i should say spanish teams in the champions league but right now atletico seems to me like they're playing the most consistent at least out of the champs league teams from spain they just seem to me like right now they're the team that has the most cohesive football going on i mean Real has been all over the place. Barcelona has been an absolute mess this season. And Sevilla, again, like I said, just seems to me like they're lacking that spark. So out of all the teams from Spain, right now Atletico is the one that scares me the most. Now it may be a different story come February. Who knows where any of these teams are going to be two months from now with injuries, the possible January transfer window. But that's a... That's a crazy matchup there, and I think that's going to be an exciting one to watch. We have two more matchups here in the Champions League to talk about before we swip on over to the Europa League.
1: Yeah, Gladbach faces off of Man City.
0: Yeah, that's got to be an interesting one. I mean, is is definitely a good side there out of Germany. I mean, they play good football. They're tough team to score against, and they'll usually be able to squeak one or two out against you, whether it be off a set piece, a corner, or yeah. the counterattack. You know, they're a tough team.
1: Their set pieces are pretty dangerous, and uh, that whole group had really dangerous set pieces. Uh, this will be an interesting one. This is a tough task for Man City because they've they've been hitting their struggles in form as as well, and, in the Premier League at least.
0: And lastly, to round out the Champions League, we have Italian side, Atalanta, facing off against Real Madrid. You know, Real Madrid, like I said, they have had their ups and downs this season. They do seem like a side that's starting to get their footing a little bit more. And Atalanta, right now, it actually seems like they're struggling. I mean, haven't really been able to score more than one goal in their last several games. But, again, this is in two months. Who knows where these teams will be. Mm Mm-hmm. Flipping on over to the Europa League, there is a much larger group, and we're also integrating group winners with as well as some of the third-place finishers from the Champions League. So instead of going group by group or really giving some in-depth analysis, I say we just read these off real quick. I mean, it's round of 32. There's 16 matches. Maybe we'll highlight a couple of ones we're really excited about, but there's a lot going on here, a lot to digest. So I'm just going to jump right on into it. All right. The Austrian side, uh, FC Wolfsburg, is facing off against Tottenham. Tottenham, obviously, a good squad there. We'll expect them to do well. Yep. Dynamo Kiev versus Club Bruges. Uh, it's going to be a question mark. We'll see where they're at when the time comes. Real Sociedad versus Manchester United is definitely going to be a good one. I'm really excited about that. They are two powerhouses in their respective you know, leagues. We have Benefica versus Arsenal. Another really big match up. I mean, Benefica is one of the premier sides in Portugal. Arsenal, obviously one of the big six in England. Red Star, Belgrade up against AC Milan. We probably would expect Milan to cruise through that one when the time comes. Antwerp, who almost won that group against Tottenham, had a really good group stage facing off against the Scottish side Rangers. Slavia Prague facing off against Leicester City. Again, I imagine, you know, I tend to think the English sides usually make it pretty far in this competition. And then Salzburg faces off against Real Madrid. This one should definitely be an interesting one. This
1: is Red Bull Salzburg versus Villarreal.
0: Yes, Red Bull Salzburg, the Austrian side facing off against Villarreal. I mean, I think that's going to be a good one. Villarreal, one of the more consistent teams in Spain, and Red Bull Salzburg really found themselves almost squeaking through the Champions League group. A lot of exciting young players on that team.
1: Very impressive. Uh, On the other side of this round of 32, we have Braga versus Roma, the Portuguese side facing off against the Italian side, respectively. Krasnodar out of Russia facing off against Dynamo Zagreb from Croatia. Dynamo Zagreb has been fantastic, and they're facing off against a very tough Krasnodar side that found themselves in a third place finish in their Champions League group. Uh, We got the young boys out of Sweden facing off against Leverkusen out of Germany. Leverkusen's been very hot. They've got a ton of goal scorers. That will be an interesting matchup to see. Uh, We have Mold out of Norway facing off against Hoffenheim out of Germany. Another very good matchup. That one's going to be very close. Uh, Granada. From Spain faces off against Napoli. This Italian side's been cruising as of late. Granada, always a tough task, but I think we see Napoli squeak out that one. Maccabe Tel Aviv from Israel faces off against Shakhtar Donetsk. Shakhtar had an incredible group stage, finishing in third place over the Milan side. I expect them to continue to do damage and to fare pretty well in this competition this is maybe my favorite matchup of this group we have Lille from France facing off against Ajax after their third place in their group in the Champions League this is going to be a great matchup both these sides are really coming to their own form right now I think we see Lille slip past Ajax despite them being maybe the more highly rated side and then we have Olympiakos from Greece facing off against another Netherlands club, PSV Eindhoven. And that wraps up the round of 32. It's going to be an exciting couple of uh, couple of weeks of soccer coming up in February. But with that, we can take it to the league play because we've got plenty to talk about. Match day 12 in the Premier League and we see some big clubs struggle. We see a lot of ties around the top of the table. and I feel like I feel like we kind of have to start with Chelsea versus Everton this weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean Chelsea really struggled. I mean they did not like look like the side that has been dominant for really much of the last two and a half, three months. You know, since the whole season restarted, I mean, they looked disorganized offensively. Maybe it was a lack of creativity, missing Hakim Ziyech, missing Christian Pulisic. But they've been missing a lot of those players regularly. Mm-hmm. And still, it just seemed like they didn't have any idea what to do with the ball. You know, anytime they had a ton of possession. A, a ton of possession. Yeah. And yet... It just seemed like they had a lack of distinction, a lack of confidence, a yeah. lack of creativity.
1: It It's that third touch on the ball. Like, it's the one that, you know, the one, two, three of the the ping-pong pass. And I'll say,
0: they, by the way, I don't think they deserve to lose this game. I mean, they conceded a really sloppy penalty. I mean, goalkeeper Mendy was took a really brutal knock uh, like 30 seconds prior on a passage of play then right afterwards a ball gets you know sent long into his bo- Into his box he charges out makes incidental and contact bad charge too. bad charge but i think he was still a little bit flustered and disoriented from the contact he had just taken
1: yeah he went into the slide weird
0: and ends up making, you know, jumping out, stre- outstretching for the ball, missing the ball entirely, and making contact with the player. Correct call on the field. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been a penalty, but I'm saying that if not for that, and I, I'd venture to call it a fluke play, if not for that fluke play, Chelsea, I'd say, were the better team for much of the game. They had the majority of the possession. They defensively seemed to be in a good shape and not really allowing too much mm-hmm. penetration or, or significant counterattack from Everton. It was a rough it was a rough loss for them and what I'm not thrilled about. But fortunately, at least for us, elsewhere on the table, a lot of the other big clubs struggled. Mm-hmm. We saw Arsenal lose one nil to Burnley. They found themselves down a man after Xhaka was sent off. Really just sloppy play, and this is an Arsenal team that's been incredibly in- inconsistent, and yeah. we see that continue here. And
1: pretty frequent in the red cards.
0: Yep. Then the, the Spurs match up Spurs against Crystal Palace. I mean, in the second half of that match, uh, Spurs started off well. They got the early lead, and then the second half of that match they went dormant crystal palace was the better team and i'm honestly a little bit surprised crystal palace didn't end up walking away with all three of those points i mean it was
1: they came very close
0: it was a very lopsided match from that point on we saw it again liverpool against fulham i mean scott parker had his side just really coming at liverpool and and liverpool were on their heels for a good portion of that match i mean they managed to get the penalty call mo salah slots home the equalizer but you know, this was a week where we saw all of England's big teams and the major talents just kind of coming up, coming up short, and nowhere do we see that more, I think, than in the Manchester Derby.
1: Yeah, uh, an absolute snooze fest in the Manchester Derby, a game that in the past couple of years has always been really, you know, prized for big clashes of stars and and you know, fantastic
0: tac- scoring, tactical
1: and, and... masterpieces, you know. Golosos coming out the Wolasos. It it's normally like a big a big draw event. This year's game sucked. It was a snooze fest. It sucked for ninety minutes.
0: Yeah, it was really incredibly. It was hard to watch. I would say. Yeah. Clubs at the top of the table struggling though was not contained just to the Premier League. When we went down to the Serie A, we saw it with the. League leaders dropping points. AC Milan dropped points against Parma.
1: Yeah, and they only got a point out of it off of Theo Hernandez brace coming after the 90th minute.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, they were salvaged there. It would have been a total loss otherwise, but this is a week that we see a lot of the other teams on the table picking up ground on them. Second place Inter gets a 3-1 win. Roma gets a 5-1 win over Bologna. Napoli squeaks out a two to one win over Sampdoria, and then Juventus ends up getting a three to one win, including a Ronaldo brace and his hundredth goal for the club. It's it's surprising to have seen Milan drop points in a matchup that otherwise you would have been so confident in, in a season that carries so much weight, and when every point matters when you're playing and with with other clubs that yeah. feel they're in it. I, I mean, mean, if you, know, if
1: you have. Juve on your heels, you want to keep getting points because is going to keep getting points.
0: Exactly. You imagine a team like Juvenus is going to right the ship and become more consistent as the season goes on, mm-hmm. that this COVID nonsense, that players missing time because of outbreaks, injuries, schedule adjustments, all that stuff that caused Juventus to get knocked off of their rhythm is now starting to go away and we're starting to see the things just kind of revert back to a normal schedule. Yeah. And so I think Milan needs to jump on those opportunities when they get them.
1: Absolutely. Match day eleven in the Bundesliga also saw some shakeups at the top of the table, with Bayern Leverkusen jumping into first place after a four-one victory off TSG Hoffenheim. Leon Bailey getting himself a brace, the Jamaican winger, acting as another standout talent in the Bundesliga. Bayern gets only a draw against Union Berlin with Robert Lewandowski tying his side up back in the second half but dropping those points mattered because they find themselves in second place to a point behind the league leaders. Red Bull Leipzig keeps pace though, getting the third place uh, third place slot in the third, in uh, a 2 to nothing victory against Werder Bremen. Josh Sargent played a full 90 though. So that was always fun to see in the American talent. Wolfsburg slipped into fourth place with a 2-1 victory against Eintracht Frankfurt. Again, another American, John Brooks, putting on a real defensive clinic and uh, really controlling the back line there. It's been pretty impressive from Wolfsburg this season, especially considering where their defense was only a season ago. And they're back to having a positive goal differential. Veg also getting a brace in that game. He's had a... Quite the month, already in December of scoring goals, and then we can talk about Dortmund losing five to one against VfB Stuttgart. Giorena's lone goal not enough to save this Dortmund side as they were just getting absolutely leveled in all I saw in all phases of the game. And then finally, as we talk about teams struggling, no struggle. Worse in Europe, probably at the moment, than the 27-game winless streak of Schalke continuing after they had the lead but surrendering it after the 90th minute to FC Augsburg
0: to a 10-man FC, FC Augsburg.
1: Alls- yeah, um, I mean Schalke is really just the pits at the moment. It's getting it's getting sadder to watch each match week.
0: Yeah, it's been really it's been really hard to watch. And again, you know, I know they're a rival. I know as a Dortmund fan, it does tickle you a little bit to see them struggle. A little. But but... we don't want to see them, I sound like a broken record, we don't want to see them get relegated. No. I hope to see them maybe get their footing a little bit, start to get back on the horse, so to speak. A couple of other little small points from the other leagues. In La Liga, Real Madrid won the Madrid Derby. Real Sociedad ends up drawing 1-1. This is another match without a win. They were just top of the table two weeks ago. We're seeing Madrid really start to re-establish their dominance. And Barcelona finally gets back on the horse with a 1-0 victory over Levante. Finally,
1: Messi gets a goal, and all is right with Barcelona. In League 1, we saw a shakeup at the top of the table after the now second-place team, Lyon... Gets the 1-0 result against PSG. And Lille takes the first place spot with their 2-1 win over 10th place Bordeaux. And then 4-5 and 5 stay the same with Marseille taking the 2-1 victory over Monaco. It was a great week in the European leagues, but it was a bit of a better week for one of the MLS sides.
0: Yeah, the Columbus Crew were named the 2020 MLS Cup Champions after really a season unlike any other we've ever seen in the MLS and if we're if we're lucky unlike any other we'll ever see again.
1: Yeah, obviously it was a it was a tough season. It was disjointed. The league getting started, getting suspended, having a resumed to play tournament and then having A bit of a regular season after that and still finding a way to put a playoff together. But yeah, the crew win. 3-0 against Seattle. An interesting story going into this one because both Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos were out after testing positive with COVID-19. So their midfield was not their typical starters, but they get it done.
0: They get it done in a convincing fashion against a Seattle team that I think a lot of people had poised to win this cup since the beginning of the playoffs. I mean, they end up with one of the top seeds out west. They have the playoff experience, it feels like, every year or just about every year. It's Seattle or it's Toronto or it's one of the two or both of them in this game. Mm -hmm. So it is a nice, you know, some fresh blood in there. Columbus, as we said last week, really put themselves in a position for this all season long. They were consistently and perennially toward the top of their sta- of the standings. They were one of the most difficult teams to score on in MLS, and we see that here with a shutout in the final. Good for them. It gives people in Ohio one reason to be less miserable because, I mean, you're in Ohio, so you don't have many of those.
1: Absolutely. And one person thriving in Ohio, Lucas Larian getting the MLS Cup MVP with the two-goal, one assist in the 3-0 win.
0: Making him, quite literally, the only person thriving in Ohio. Yes. It's incredible. It is just him. Just him.
1: So looking back on this MLS season, we had quite a few beautiful goals, but I just three I really want to talk about. First one is you know the new talent that we saw coming into the MLS this season Gonzalo Higuaín's free kick in these in the last couple in the dying moments of Miami's season had probably one of the best free kicks we've seen in the MLS
0: well, I just think the season you know Gonzalo would be flattered to hear you refer to him as a new talent I know what you mean though to look, new to, to the, the MLS, MLS yeah. but I mean, anytime you bring in a world talent like Gonzalo Higuain, even at this age, it's a headline for the MLS, and it's good for them. I know a lot of people think it's kind of bad because they develop the reputation as a retirement league. But when you have players like Andrea Pirlo, David Villa, Didier Drogba, Kaká, David Beckham, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Bastian Schweinsteiger, exactly, coming to the MLS contributing and still able to produce brilliant moments of play like this Higuain goal it helps provide those magical moments that make people tune into sports Absolutely, and this free kick is right up there with those. Phenomenal play I mean a great acquisition for Miami I'm excited to see what he's able to do in his first full season with the club next year
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that's a great Great highlight of this year. What's next on your highlights list?
1: Well, second on the highlights list, maybe it's the bit of union bias, but this was probably one of the dirtiest long-range goals I've ever seen. It also came off a free kick, but Jakob Glessinus, all the way back in the before four times, back before the pandemic even started, saw Jakob harak a free kick, smash from 40 yards out. And the way that the ball curved and bent outside and then inside and, you know, got itself on target. Absolutely stupendous play and candidate for goal of the season. But I think the best goal we saw this season, bar none, is probably Carlos Vela's chip shot over the keeper. I mean, it's the one in all the commercials. It was in his return game. It was a massive splash. And I think, I think that's going to be the goal of the season for the MLS. We do have one more MLS point to talk about, and it's just a little bit of business news, but the MLS suffered almost a $1 billion reduction in revenue this season. Soccer in the United States is not as fiscally sound as the other sports and the other major leagues. It is a bit of a risk. It's only a 25-year-old league in its current state and they really can't afford to see this replicate itself in the 2021 year
0: well yes and no they can't afford this but i think nobody could have afforded this i think it's a very different story when you come into the season with leveled expectations you know everybody was spending the money they were expecting to make and then once that money didn't come in they find themselves with these major losses Losses like these are not good for the sport. They're never good for the sport. But I think the MLS may have handled the restart maybe better than any of the other major sports in the U.S. Absolutely. And I think that they have solid foundations to build on. And I think, you know, they're also, and this is maybe a bit of a difficult thing for them, but they're also the only league out of the major leagues in the United States that's still aggressively expanding. Yes. So it's definitely something that we need to... Monitor. Keep an eye on, yeah. exactly, but I don't think it's something worth raising the alarms.
1: No, not yet. We can move to the other leagues here in the United States because we have another league starting off. NBA preseason action has
0: returned. Yeah, very exciting, and a lot of people are excited about the NBA season. There's still maybe a few move, you know, big names that still need to find homes. I mean, most notably, James Harden is still making a fuss in Houston. But I think basketball is a great wintertime sport. I'm happy it's going to be back in time for Christmas Day. And I'm ha- excited to see what Doc Rivers is able to do with this Philadelphia 76ers team.
1: Absolutely. Other, you know, returning NBA news stories are the return of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, both out the majority or entirety of last season with major leg injuries, I guess, to generalize. They got their first taste of NBA action last night in their new Brooklyn Nets uniforms.
0: Yeah, they were definitely exciting to watch. I mean, John Wall was exciting to watch in his Houston debut, looking like he really didn't miss too much of a beat after being injured for the last two seasons, if that's the case. Maybe that Houston deal for Russell Westbrook isn't as bad as it initially looked. Yeah, especially with all those protections. We also got to see LaMelo Ball, in his debut for the Charlotte Hornets, drop some absolute dimes. I mean, really, looking like an elite ball distributor. Yeah. Still, I mean, had his share of turnovers as well, didn't really score that many points, but some of the passes were jaw dropping yeah, i absolutely. mean jaw dropping and that could make him that could make him a really exciting player to watch and maybe one of the most exciting players to watch in that really kind of forgotten about market of charlotte that i mean other than kemba walker hasn't really had a notable player that i can think of in yeah. in many years well moving speaking of yeah. the ball brothers Langelo Ball's stint with the Detroit Pistons was cut incredibly short as he didn't even make it out of training camp. I mean, I know he was even really just aiming for a, a spot on their G League roster, but apparently that wasn't even the car, in the cards as the player who's maybe more known for the personality and loudmouth antics of his father... Still hasn't been able to really find a spot in the NBA. I mean, he's got now two brothers that were top five picks in the NBA. Top th- both were top three picks in the NBA. And he, the fact that he can't even find a roster spot, maybe it means this kid just doesn't have it.
1: Maybe it just means it's tough being the
0: middle child. <laughs> telling me.
1: We also see Paul George adds four years and $190 million to his Clippers contract. Do you think this is a good move for the Clippers, especially considering how fast things fell apart last season, especially in the return to play format? And now with these new NBA rules against resting players, something that the Clippers last season were pretty much famous for.
0: Do I think it's a bad idea? No, because there are 29 other teams in the NBA that would be lining up to pay Paul George that same contract. Which is crazy. Yes, but there are, give or take, 25 to 35 NBA max salary worth players in the NBA, and I don't think it's really negotiable that Paul George is one of them yeah if tobias harris is a max contract player then paul george is definitely a max contract player
1: yeah i mean like paul george is just like tobias harris but without ads
0: so like i don't think it was a mistake i'm curious to see if Ty is able to get a little bit more out of paul george than maybe doc rivers was and i'm not saying that tyloo is more the coach than doc rivers is but also...
1: Maybe managing the superstar personality. Yeah,
0: Ty Lue has definite experience with that and the way he's had to handle LeBron. Not to mention, this is still the acclimation period for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard with that Clippers team. So, you know, coming from a different environment, coming from, you know, building a new team and new players it's understood that it might take a year or two, you know, on all teams. It's like, you know, everybody thought that Joel and Ben would need a year or two to mesh or that, you know, I mean, all all sorts of LeBron didn't win in his first year in Miami. And, you know, it's just the people expect there to be a time for them to adjust. Not saying that it's guaranteed to be a fit and that Paul George is a great bargain or a solid deal for them. But, you know, I get that in the first year, it might not have hit its full potential. Moving over to the NHL, they are still working hard to figure out a concrete return-to-play plan. Details are still being negotiated and fine-tuned, and until there's a finalized vote, really, I mean, anything could still be up in the air.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the latest report we have come from Darren Drager, uh, NHL and NHL Players Association are still working on it. They still want to get to a December 31st camp start for all the teams that did not play in the bubble and a January 3rd camp start for all the players that played in the bubble with a January 13th start to the 2020-2021 regular season. I think it's a tall order, as, especially as these days tick by and it, it, when we get closer to the holidays. and I mean... How much are they going to be wanting wanting to negotiate when it's Christmas time? But we do have a provisional redivision set. Seeing all the Canadian teams grouped together with the Canadians, Canucks, Flames, Jets, Maple Leafs, Oilers, and Senators all in one division. And then seeing a revised Metro, if you will, with the Bruins, Sabres, Devils, Islanders, Rangers, Penguins, and Capitals. Another, I guess, kind of s- south, maybe, region.
0: I was going to say, the one that just doesn't really make sense to me is this Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, Red Wings, Black Hawks, Panthers, Wild, Predators, Lightning. It just seems like they're like, uh, let's just throw whatever's left uh, together. Yeah, this is
1: the everybody else division. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you've
0: got Carolina... You've got Ohio, Michigan, Florida, Illinois, Minnesota, Minnesota, Tennessee. Yeah, it's going to be It's just such a crazy division.
1: Crazy bus rides.
0: And then lastly, I guess this is the, the far west, if you will, the Ducks, Arizona Coyotes, the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, L.A. Kings, San Jose Sharks st louis blues and las vegas golden knights so yeah it just seems like everybody should be pretty happy with this except for that one division
1: everybody's cool with it (laughs) except uh everybody in the midwest and south of the mason dixon
0: yeah the, the 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 leftover
1: pile yeah the the very confused during the civil war group um yeah, that's kind of all we really have, though. Yeah, until those
0: details show. are hammered out and solidified, we're just merely speculating until that point. And so, hopefully, they can figure that out soon and give everybody a little bit of a boost to this holiday season. I know yeah. we're all chomping at the bit to get back to. It doesn't feel like winter time if there's not hockey being played.
1: Yeah, I mean, and World Cup Juniors will be like a like a nicotine patch, but it's not gonna do the it's not gonna do the real job. We need it back. But we can move on, because we got some oddball stuff to talk about, and why don't we start with probably the biggest headline coming out of the weekend.
0: Yeah, Sarah Fuller becomes the first ever female to score a point in a football game in a Power 5 conference. She does so for Vanderbilt, completing an extra point after a touchdown against Tennessee this past weekend. Historic day in sports. Obviously, I think everybody's happy for Sarah. It's a big moment for females in sports. Big moment for females in football. A big moment for the history of college football. Hopefully they could snag one of those cleats, send it off to the College Football Hall of Fame. It's a great story. I think everybody should be happy for it. You know, this team getting thrown into disarray, coming into COVID, lose their kicker. Uh, Fuller's a, a fee- I believe she's a female grad student from their on their soccer team, mm-hmm. a they're, scholarship athlete, they're there
1: championship winning goalkeeper, and
0: she comes over and now makes history in men's Division One football. Absolutely. Elsewhere, college basketball is just totally messed up right now, uh, and a, they have a... no idea what they're going to do. Some of the biggest names in the sport, like Coach K, John Calipari, are coming out saying that they think maybe they shouldn't even be doing this right now, whether they should be maybe pushing it back or what have you. But a lot of the teams think they need this to survive. And so it's going to be something worth keeping an eye on. I mean, it just seems like there's no right answer when you're doing some form of indentured servitude for these players to Mm -hmm. actually be playing for these teams. And they're putting now their, even more so than before, they're putting their health and well-being on the line For money. For money that they don't get to see any of. So, yeah,
1: that, I mean.
0: Just a crazy, hairy situation. Glad I'm not in charge of dealing with it, but it just seems like a lose-lose.
1: Yes. Also, just on the college basketball point, Keontae Johnson, a player for Florida State, suffered a scary incident over the weekend, collapsing. He was in a medically induced coma, but is breaking now out of his medically induced coma, and we wish him the best in the speedy recovery.
0: Yeah, it's always a good sign when you can come out of the coma. Yes. It's always encouraged. That's, like,
1: a major, major part of it. Uh, We can talk a little bit of the UFC fights this weekend and some UFC
0: news. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty boring card this past weekend. The headline fight between figure uh, a Figueredo, and I forget who even who he was fighting against but it ended up being a bit of a snooze fest. Yeah.
1: A little draw in the in the flyweight division. Yeah, I mean.
0: it was Brandon Moreno who was his opponent. Delvinson Figureto against Brandon Moreno and it ends up in a ends up in a draw, which is just really really unexciting. No was
1: I that mean, a, for, for, was that for a belt
0: too? Yeah it was a belt. It was UFC two fifty six. So this was, you know, a big Big pay per view. This is this wasn't a fight night. Mm-hmm. Pay per view. We get a draw on the main event. Each of the top three, you know, fights on the card went to a decision. It just was a kind of underwhelming weekend. And you know, this comes on the heels of last week. It was announced that the UFC cut a ton of athletes. I mean, they they're, they've already cut, I believe, like sixty two, something like that. They're mm-hmm. planning to cut over over seventy and. You know some big names on there, Yoel Romero, who's been an absolute beast, uh, Anderson Silva, an all-time great, yeah, pioneer of the sport, and then of course, the love of my life, Rachel Ostovich, yep. who I fell in love with last UFC. I mean, these are these are big names, and you know some great some great eye candy in some cases, and. It's going to be disappointing to see them off the roster. I mean, I know the UFC always says that they have high turnover, and I guess it's just not a sport that you think of with free agency and players signing for fights, but...
1: Yeah. Well, it... there's there's no fighters union. There's no negotiation conglomerate that these players can work... or the fighters can work together. It's very much an every man for himself in both the octagon and also in the contract negotiation room.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes the octagon is the lesser of the fights that these athletes need to go through with regards to these events. I mean, and I think that gets to our bigger point here, which I think Dana White just really needs to be removing himself from this situation. I mean, I know we've discussed this before, but I know Dana White was integral, vital in the UFC becoming what it is today, but his ego, it goes unchecked. The UFC is now a multi-billion dollar corporation. These fighters are putting their lives on the line, their, their livelihood on the line. There's all sorts of things that go into it. And it seems as though the ego of Dana White gets in the way of the fans seeing a lot of the fights they want to see. And the fighters being compensated in a way that's appropriate with respect to the revenue that they're generating. And so... That's just my two cents there. You know, I'm obviously not in any of the negotiation rooms or anything like that, but it just seems like Dana White likes to have his fingerprints and his stamp on everything, and I question if that's in the best interest of the sport anymore.
1: Yeah, and I mean, for the long term, for getting not only the talent in, because the UFC does have quite a bit of talent turnover, especially in certain divisions where, you know... Every year it seems like we're getting a new contender, especially in in the more middle of the weight classes. I I think eventually this Dana White relationship with the UFC is going to have to turn a corner and is going to come to a point where his ego and the personality of it is going to have to split, otherwise we're going to see too many parallels with, like, WWE and Vince McMahon. And that's I don't think that's the direction UFC wants to go. I think if it wants to be recognized as a legitimate sport, having the actual top fighters fighting one another, I think we're going to need to see some sort of leadership change at the very top.
0: Moving over to baseball news, the Cleveland Indians are finally going to be changing their nickname. Yes. After... Many, many years of attempts of people lobbying them to do so. It seems as though they are finally coming to their senses. Yeah. There's a lot of questions as to what, you know, what they're going to change their name to. A lot of P has become a very politicized issue. Even the president weighed in.
1: Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like the change that they're going
0: to make. Okay. He he finds it offensive. This. <laughs> PC culture, this cancel culture. And so I think this is you know, long overdue. I think it's exciting. One thing I saw was apparently back, back in the day, before they were known as the Cleveland Indians, they were actually known as the Cleveland Spiders. Spiders, yes. And,
1: and I think that's a good color scheme to bring back.
0: You know, too. I think that would be a lot of fun. The Spiders, though, do hold the worst record in Major League Baseball history. That is also true. They went a staggering eleven wins, a hundred and one losses, which is just—they st- had trouble paying their players. They
1: were a—they uh, were kind of a dumpster fire of an organization.
0: So they'll fit right in to Major League Baseball and Cleveland. Exactly. Speaking of dumpster fire organizations, the Philadelphia Phillies just hired Dave Dombrowski. Yes. Known as a big spender and very much a win now type, you know, manager. He becomes the first ever president of baseball operations because they didn't want to fire Andy McPhail and make him a general manager. Mm -hmm. So they create a position above Andy McPhail and give him that. Which is crazy because the Phillies are already broke. Couldn't you just fire Andy McPhail? Yeah, you know, they kept on talking about how they lost more money than they're literally worth. So I don't get why they felt the need to keep a guy around who's been systematically spending that money in inefficient ways, but that's the Phillies. So yes, they but bring in a guy who is known for systematically spending other people's money in slightly more efficient ways. So hopefully he can do that.
1: Yeah, he's also known as a bit of a farm system butcher, hacking up any assets that he can.
0: In order to exactly try and win now, which I'm he's sure going to, this team's not going to do.
1: He's going to have a really tough task because there is no meat on the bones in this Phillies uh, prospect pipeline. It is, it is all just Mickey Moniacs all the way down.
0: Elsewhere, the Tampa Bay Rays... Signed Hunter Renfro. Oh, he was just on the Rays, wasn't he? Or is that what I I uh, that
1: that was this the is news all me, yeah. This is the news you told me. This is I need to start vetting your work.
0: Uh, I looked up the wrong Hunter Renfro. No, I was right. Hunter Renfro did in fact sign with the Tampa Bay Rays from the San Diego Padres. I just mixed those two teams up. That'd they have similar curious. color schemes. No, not anymore. Now the Padres are that brown and brown and gold. Brown and gold, yeah. They're, but they, they had to the a, Pirates now. They had that previous white and blue uniform scheme. They did. But yeah, Hunter Renfro, one of our favorite name doppelgangers, shares the exact same name, different spelling, but same name in pronunciation as Oakland Raiders star. Not really star. Gadget but player. Yeah, budding star, maybe. Elsewhere, we saw the New York Mets re-sign their catcher James McCann. James McCann, which takes another one of the top landing spots off of J.T. Realmuto's list, maybe making it a little bit more likely that he possibly returns to the Philadelphia Phillies. It's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on as the. Off season continues to progress. Again, another remembering Dombrowski loves to throw money at problems. We're going to have a real big catcher problem if we do not find a way to retain JT. So, something we want to monitor.
1: Absolutely. And
0: lastly, veteran broadcaster and really American sweetheart.
1: Yep, and one of the worst cases of pink eye I've ever seen.
0: Al Michaels enters the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, despite him saying that one of his biggest regrets is not doing as much baseball broadcasting as he'd like. He's still known for really coming to prominence as as a baseball broadcaster throughout the 80s. Obviously, he's gone on to bigger and better things, you know, Sunday Night Football. The Olympics. The Olympics. I mean, really... Him and Bob Costas are, are two of the yeah, most, staples when most you think means. of major sports in the U.S., and he really has done it all. Especially um, the
1: ones you like, because there's also Joe Buck.
0: You know, uh, just to point out, Michaels was actually featured in the—he uh, broadcast the baseball game that was the World Series game interrupted by the earthquake. Yep. That was an Al Michaels broadcast, so— Definitely exciting for him. Good for Al. You know, not that I'm sure he's in, like, every Hall of Fame that he would be eligible for. But, you know, good for Al Michaels. He's a favorite of ours and a favorite of the industry. So good to see him being recognized as such. Moving on and wrapping up with the National Football League. We had an absolutely crazy week 13. 14. 14? Mm -hmm. 14 of football games. Starting at home here in the NFC East, we see Washington keeping their pace at the top of the division. They got a solid win against the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm.
1: Once again, the defensive line of this Washington football team really coming into the forefront there again. It is Washington. You didn't say Washington football team, but I that said, is what they're called.
0: I said the wrong you thing. You said
1: the slur. I'm gonna. Have to, um, no. I'll, yeah, I'll bleep it out. I mean, I'll leave in the red, and then it'll eep. Uh But yeah, no, it, they, the defensive line specifically, Chase Young, constantly getting after the quarterback. Nick Mullins had a real rough day in his office back there in the pocket, and
0: the,
1: they're the reason why the Washington football team's at top of the East.
0: Yeah, WFT, yes. the Washington football team. I think that as long as Alex Smith can game manage, which I don't really think there's ever been a time that Alex Smith has been ever really called on to do more than game manage, that Washington football team can still snag a couple more victories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they probably make their way into the playoffs. I mean, I know we still have to play them one more time this season, but it's definitely not out of the question. I do also think they have a pretty tough Seattle matchup coming up this upcoming weekend. Yeah,
1: it will be interesting to see how they go moving forward. Speaking of moving forward this past week, we saw the Eagles name a new starting quarterback. Uh, not for injury reasons. Carson Wentz was benched for poor performances. Probably the, uh, it was the poorest in the NFL this season by a starting quarterback, and Jalen Hurts comes in.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts really shines. He didn't have a huge game statistically as far as a normal quarterback game stat line would be concerned. I mean, under 200 yards passing. But lit it up on the ground. Had over 100 yards rushing and really just kept, the, kept drives alive. Mm-hmm. Took zero. I repeat myself. Took zero plays for negative yards. Yeah. The entire offense, that is. They had Meaning no sacks. No sacks. No... Even run plays were were all getting solid movement up front with the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And the running backs were going to the right holes. A lot of the gadget plays that we got to run, having the mobile dual threat quarterback back there, the read options, the keepers, the sweeps, the quarterback draws, consistently gaining yards puts you in a position to extend drives, and that's what the Eagles did against a good Saints defense.
1: I mean, this is the first time in three years that this Saints defense has given up 100 yards on the ground, and they gave it up to both Miles Sanders and
0: Jalen Hurts. So something that, you know, I think comes down to a lot of things. I think when you look at play calling, this game was play called very different than most Eagles games typically. We see way more pass attempts than running attempts. We see Doug Peterson abandoning the run fairly early on and switching to a pass-heavy offense. We see a lot of bubble screens and gadget plays in that capacity as opposed to quick reads and quick distributions. You know, there were a lot of designed throws here where we were, you know, where Jalen Hurts had to get the ball out extremely quickly. There were a lot of little crossing pattern routes and rollout plays where it just seemed as though the offense was simplified. And I think a lot of that comes down to a better run-pass ratio. But overall, there was no doubting that Jalen Hurts looked more poised, more comfortable, and more confident in the pocket and out of the pocket and Carson Wentz, with his decision-making, he had intent behind what he was doing. Yeah. He wasn't questioning himself or his receivers. You weren't seeing, even with the lack of, of coordination and the lack of reps that they've been getting, you weren't seeing, you know, Jalen Hurts pass it to a receiver who was cutting outside, but he threw it inside thinking he was going to cut inside, which it seems like there were those sorts of miscommunications with Carson Wentz on a regular basis.
1: And also... We saw him just throw the ball away when it was a lost play. I mean, there are times where these Eagles, wide receivers, tight ends, you know, pass-catching players don't get open. It happens far too regularly to feel comfortable with, but when that happened, he just got rid of the ball, and he was quick with it. Maybe sometimes a little too quick, but it wound up leading to... You know, successful, sustained drives, and they move the ball down the field. It was very good to see. We're still waiting for them to get the splash plays, the the big yardage on, uh, on the single play. But hopefully we'll maybe get to see that this upcoming week. We had another rookie quarterback put together another good performance. This one off the back of some weaker ones, though.
0: Yeah, we got to see Justin Herbert really respond to his first real test in the NFL. The Chargers got absolutely destroyed last week against the New England Patriots, 45 to nothing. And, you know, a lot of players, they get shook like that. They get punched in the mouth. They get shaken. And you don't really know how they're going to react. You don't know if they're going to come out the next week and dominate, or you don't know if they're going to come out and kind of continue to regress. And I think we saw Justin Herbert come out with a chip on his shoulder and wanting to prove that that was a fluke. Mm -hmm. You know, coming out of college, people would say that, you know, Justin Herbert, he wasn't the most consistent. He would have those games where he just seemed like nothing was going right. And yet the bigger thing that I saw was following those sorts of games, he had a near-perfect quarterback rating. And I think we saw that this week. I mean, he was a lot more careful with the ball. Mm -hmm. He was... You know, it was a close game against a Falcons team that hasn't been that great, but it's against a Falcons team that, since they fired Dan Quinn, has been playing above five hundred football. Absolutely. I think that says a lot about a quarterback seeing how they respond to a loss where they were embarrassed, and the Chargers were embarrassed in that game to the Patriots, and I think Chargers fans should Feel, ha- feel good about how Herbert responded.
1: Especially especially since they had to come back to win this one. They, uh, they went down a little bit early in that one. We've come to a point in the season where playoff possibilities are slipping out of the grasp of some teams. And while kind of not surprising, considering the, the change in turnover and number of standouts they have this season. This is a new face to be in the outside the playoffs club.
0: Yeah, the New England Patriots, if the season ended right now, would be outside looking in, and their path doesn't really get much easier. I mean, right now they're sitting with a losing record through 13 games. They're at 6-7. and seven. They are in third place in their division, two full games behind the second-place team. And when you just look at how the playoff picture is starting to develop in the AFC, I mean, you have your four division winners, right? You're, I mean, right now that's looking like Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Tennessee. And then after that, even with the additional wild card spot, I mean, there's now two wild card spots instead of the traditional one. I mean, you're going to have Cleveland's competing for one of those spots. Indianapolis is competing for one of those spots. By the way, both of those teams already with nine wins. Meaning if either one of those teams gets a win in any of their remaining games, mathematically, the Patriots cannot catch them. But just behind them, you have Miami at 8-5, and and then you have Baltimore and Vegas, each with seven wins. Baltimore playing right now could get themselves up to eight wins by the end of this week 14. So, I mean, that's a lot of teams that they would need to do. A lot of teams would do need to do a lot of losing in order for the Patriots to have any chance of squeaking in here.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a very tall order for seeing New England make it back to the playoffs. Now, as we're talking about the AFC, one of the big names, one of the division winners that you were talking about, or projected division winners at least, the Steelers have now lost their second straight game Uh First one to the Washington football team and the subsequent one coming this past weekend to the Bills, their own respective division leader. Are alarm bells sounding for you in, in this uh, in this Steelers season? Do you think that the the injuries that they've come across on defense and the fact that their offense is starting to slow down? Do you think that this is cause for concern for the Steelers fans?
0: I mean, yes, but I don't think I'm starting to alarm, uh, sound the alarm. I think in my mind the alarm's been blaring for weeks at this point. Yeah, pretty much since the Cowboys game. I mean, even since the Eagles game, when you think about the way that the Eagles almost beat that Pittsburgh team, then the Cowboys with Ben DiNucci almost beat that Pittsburgh team. Then you look in Jacksonville, who barely can get out of their own way almost beat this Pittsburgh team. Baltimore, with a, with a cast of characters filling in for them at, as football players, put up a closed game and almost beat this football team. I mean, the Steelers, in my mind, have, their record has been way better than their on-the-field product. I mean, if you looked at their point differential, especially then if you compare it to point differentials of other teams, that have had similar records they're not even close i mean when the steelers were 11-0 and their point differential was more in line with elite teams when they were at six and oh seven and oh you know what i mean it's the the steelers were squeaking out wins against teams that weren't great by three points by five points you know it, this hasn't been a pittsburgh team that's been dominant I mean, even when Pittsburgh was 11-0, and they had a worse point margin than a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who, even though they had a loss, the amount of points that they were winning by far exceeded mm-hmm. this Pittsburgh team. So I think it's definitely a sign that this Steelers team, I don't think, is long for this world. I mean, obviously, they're making the playoffs. I'm not shocked that they've now lost the top seed to Kansas City, and I'm not shocked that they... I would not be shocked to see them find themselves out of the playoffs after a week, one, you know, after their, yeah, it would be a week one matchup because only one team is getting a bye week this year. So I would not be shocked to see them lose in week one, I'm not guaranteeing it, but it wouldn't shock me by any stretch. I, I just think this team is,
1: yeah.
0: I don't want to call them overrated, but I think they're overrated by their record. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody's been coming around saying the Steelers are the greatest thing since sliced bread, but when you go in 11-0, you start to get some labels and some expectations that I just think if you look strictly at their play on the field shouldn't warrant.
1: Yeah, well, they're they're not going to get very far in the playoffs if they don't have a run game established. So, it will be interesting to see. But that just about wraps it up for us here at the Balls Over the Top Podcast.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in, as always, and we're looking forward to keeping you guys in the loop. We have a a lot of exciting soccer coming up over the next few weeks as the domestic leagues all start their, really, gauntlets as we head into the January transfer window. And, you know, all these domestic leagues see that they European leagues have taken their foot off the gas, and so they think they can just pick up that slack. So really exciting for that. We'll have a lot of soccer updates for you. We'll have some football, more football updates for you as the season starts to... You know, conclude.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll have a NBA yeah. preview, NBA Co-
0: season preview, and obviously, we'll keep you guys in the loop with whatever the latest news is with the NHL. Mm-hmm. But we appreciate you guys listening. You can find us on. We're hosted on Anchor. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Spot, or Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And pretty much anywhere that podcasts are found. Yep, we're also on Google Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher. Um, You can always,
1: you know, find us at B-O-T-T Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. You can hit us up there. We will get you a sticker. We have two and a half inch vinyl stickers with the logo printed
0: on it. Yep, and so we appreciate you guys listening. Drop us a line. We would love to set you up for a call-in as well. All righty, that's it for us, guys. Thanks for listening, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back with you later on this week.
1: Have a good week, everybody.